Hello, Flower Tribe, and welcome to the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast, Stories of Our Mothers. This is a weekly discussion centered around unifying, uplifting, and connecting women. It is a space to share stories and spread wisdom amongst ourselves and leave a little mark for the rising generations. I am your podcast host, Courtney Brookins, with the focus of helping you bloom into your best self. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast. Today, I am joined by my very best friend, Janice, and we will be discussing her path of medicine and the different pieces and journey that she has been on along the road. I'm so pleased to be able to say hello and welcome Janice. So without further ado, Janice, say hello. Hello, members of this podcast. And I'm just so happy to be here today and to be able to share and support my best friend and um, talk about my journey in hopes that someone can connect to it or can inspire someone to take those steps that they have been fearing to take. Yes, I love that. We're starting off the podcast talking about walking <laughs> fearlessly, yes. making bold steps. So Janice, why don't you give them a little background knowledge and let them know who you are and what you have going on. Well, my name is Janice Thompson, and I'm a fourth-year medical student right now. I'm at Meharry, which is one of four HBCUs. That's Historically Black College. I've realized from traveling, some people don't know what that is. Um, Mm -hmm. There are four black medical schools in the nation, and that's Meharry, Howard, Charles Drew, and Morehouse. And I'm at one of those schools, and it's been an amazing experience. This is my first HBCU experience, so Mm. pairing that with medical school... Um, being around like-minded people with similar backgrounds and cultural beliefs um, has been an amazing journey. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love that you added that clarifying piece in about what is an HBCU and how that experience has been beneficial for you. I know some people are not, like you said, aware of what HBCUs are, Mm -hmm. or even more so, what are the benefits of going to those institutions over um, a PWI, predominantly white institution, if people are unfamiliar with that acronym. But certainly, each institution offers different things. So thank you for outlining that. So jumping into um, your experience as a fourth year medical student, I know there are probably other people listening who are considering careers in medicine, maybe career switching, maybe some younger women and men who are considering even, they're not even in college yet, but they're considering taking that path. So how did you venture into becoming a medical student? And then also, could you share like what that experience now that you are a fourth year medical student, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, well, to not make sure that I don't take too much time on your podcast to start my family, um, my dad's a doctor and my mom is a nurse. So I, I like to say like medicine is in my blood. Mm. I grew up seeing them helping people, healing people, um, spending time in underserved communities, offering their services. My dad has practices in the downtown area in the south suburbs, um, and he's an asthma and allergy specialist. So I grew up seeing uh, these this approach to helping people from a health and medical perspective. And so I think that's ingrained in me. But I chose to um, 
get a degree in business for college. And I did that because I was good at math. I have a systems approach and I thought, oh, I'm bad at science. You know, I, I didn't, chemistry didn't come easily to me. So mm-hmm. I thought that taking that business route was more natural and what I was supposed to be doing. And while I was managing, I, um, at one point was managing a pharmacy and there were patients that were coming in there and they weren't filling their prescriptions. And I would ask why. And there were two reasons. One, either they couldn't afford their prescription or two, they didn't understand why their doctor wrote them for that prescription. Mm. And that was really disheartening to me because it felt like what's going on in this encounter when you went to the doctor? Did they not explain? Did they not include you as part of the plan? You know, I don't know what went wrong, but clearly there's something that's going on Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes these were serious medications, blood pressure medication, um, heart medication. And so it's really important that I feel that one day, like I talk to my patients about why I want them to start this treatment plan, make sure they're on board with it, or if they have any questions or um, concerns and make sure that they are willing to uh, I guess, follow this treatment plan. And as well as considering their financial circumstances, there are people who have different types of insurance or don't have insurance at all. And I don't know the direction that healthcare is going right now, but I am hopeful. And I just know my part in playing in this is, is making sure that I consider that when I'm talking about a plan with a patient, like what are they going to be able to afford this diet that I'm giving them? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be able to afford these medications? And just thinking about that holistic view of a person that you're interacting with um, for that moment. Yeah, that certainly is important. Um, that's funny how you took a different, you started off in a different path and that kind of led you into the direction of going to medical school. And also I like that you kind of spoke to some of these issues that are centered around healthcare because everyone's like, do what you need to do and make sure you take care of yourself. And we talk about even that being a component of self-care, but we don't talk about necessarily the affordability piece or how that plagues certain communities. So I like that that was like a catalyst for you within your career. Um, That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That is very awesome. So now that you are in medical school Mm -hmm. and you've made that switch, you've obviously gotten accustomed to those science classes. Mm -hmm. What does the curriculum or the even your day to day, maybe Mm -hmm. you don't even want to go into the courses, however you want to answer it. But what is your day to day even look like? And has it shifted over the last four years? Mm -hmm. The day-to-day, that's a little hard to describe because um, throughout your medical career, things are going to change. Like, for for instance, when maybe for six weeks, you'll be doing a psych rotation. And the next six weeks, you'll be doing an OBGYN rotation or then a pediatric rotation. So, and each one of those have different responsibilities, requirements, and a different culture to it. Mm -hmm. So there's no day-to-day that's the same. But something that is consistent from each year is that I'm required to study and to remain curious. Mm. When you decide to go to medical school, you're deciding for lifelong, you will be a student. You're Mm. dedicating yourself to to staying in tune with what's going on with current research. How are things changing? changing what are we discovering um you have to stay curious you have to stay motivated because life is happening around you people are um you know they'll get married or they're having birthdays or and kids are growing up and you really have to stay focused and you will miss out on those moments sometimes mm-hmm. but you have to remember why you're doing it and that is to be capable of helping as many people as possible um being equipped with the clinical skills with the knowledge to be able to address someone's concern when they come and see you. And so I try to remember that it's a sacrifice, but it's also very rewarding for what you can do um, for your patients one day. So 
Um, that makes total (laughs) sense I love the passion that I hear in your voice that whenever you talk about medical school because Mm -hmm. passion has to be a part of what our day-to-day is because like you said that is our our why do we really enjoy what we're doing life is meant to be lived and I also like what you said about that curiosity aspect that you're having to always learn and ask questions and I think that those are some transferable concepts that can go within multiple industries and just within everyone's day-to-day life so I really appreciate you adding that to the conversation um I know that you are a black woman (laughs) if you guys can't see her but she is a black woman and um, I'm just curious as to how does your gender, um, your age, I'm, they say never tell a woman's age, so I won't directly state it, mm-hmm. but gender, age, ethnicity, how do those factors impact you as a medical student and impact your passion for medicine? Okay. Um, that could be, that's a very um, broad subject matter uh, mm-hmm. because each one of those categories has certain aspects and experiences I can share. Okay. But maybe I'll share like an experience for each one or just kind of a word, my perspective. Yeah. Um, Gender-wise, uh, 2% of the nation's active doctors are black women. Wow. And that's shocking to me. <laughs> that is shocking. That it, it oh, is my goodness. 2%. And, you know, that may be more, it may be more than that. It may actually be less than that. But regardless, it's somewhere around there. And that's concerning because mm-hmm. there are more black people in this nation. And that just shows that we need more representation. And that's not just as medical doctors, and that, that's as lawyers, that's as teachers, um, you know, just any political figures. We just need to branch into every industry. Yeah. Um, and I know we're trying, and we're, I think we're getting there, mm. but that number is shocking to me because I think representation yes. is important, especially mm. when I think of um, the particular fields I'm going in. I've chosen to be an obstetrician and gynecologist. And I just think about awesome. young black girls and having a doctor they can go to to ask questions and who can understand their background mm-hmm. and can give them that reassurance and guidance and um, be a role model for them. And so I would like to see that number increase, and I'm glad to be part of that and, and staying on track to what I'm doing. Um, we need to make that, if there's about 15% of, I think, blacks in the nation. Okay. Um and, I, you know, I, I those numbers, I question those, like how they come up with these numbers, um, if they're truly accurate. But I, we definitely have room to increase the amount of black doctors. And um, I just want to say for any of you out there considering going to medical school, you know, go for it. And there's even other uh, opportunities, nursing, physician's assistant. There's mm-hmm. other ways to get involved in health care, but we need more minorities involved in health care. Um, Absolutely, especially mm-hmm. for all the different, all the different uh, reasons that you named, because there are certain issues that might be more culturally related mm-hmm. that impact healthcare, mm-hmm. and so having, like you said, having that voice is very important. Having that understanding is imperative. Yes, it is, and then in regards to age, I'm considered um, to be on the older aspect of going back to med school mm-hmm. um, I'm 31 and I went to med- when I was in med school I was about 28 when I started 27 mm-hmm. when I started and uh, most people they start right when they get out of college right and so um, I did a career switch 
And so that's another thing I would like to encourage someone to do is not to be deterred by your age. Because what this means is when I start to practice, I will be about 34, 35. Mm -hmm. Most of the time people retire maybe 65. Yeah. So that gives me 30 years to do what I want to do every day, to feel good about Mm -hmm. waking up and um, following my passion. So I wouldn't let your age deter you from going back to school, from trying something different. It's going to be hard. Yes, I have sacrifices. I'm not making the income I would have made if I stuck with finance. Um, I'm not able to take the trips with my friends, but at the end of the day, I'll have a lot more years of being in the field that drives me and to feel like I'm making my mark on this world in the way that I was designed to do. That is so powerful. I just really took that into my spirit because I hear all the time and I might sometimes even have to admit I'm a victim of stating that like, oh, we're in our 30s. Oh, I hear people in their 40s saying I'm too old. I'm too old for this. I'm too old for the career change. I'm too old to for children. I'm too old to try love again. And I'm, you know, I'm too old to purchase a new property, whatever. But when if you're looking at how many more years you can enjoy that then that will certainly change your perspective of what you're too old for. You have to look at what do you still have to offer. So thank you for adding that piece into it. Yeah, and we've talked about this before. I I say, like, we have to imagine when we're 50 years old, 60 years old, women one day, and we're looking back at our story, are we proud of it? Are we laughing together? Are we smiling? Right. You know, are we, do we do the things that we wanted to do, take these risks, what some people would call it? Right. Um, I say, rather than calling it risk, taking these adventures and Mm -hmm. boldly taking these steps to figure out what you want to do. And it's okay to not know either. It's okay. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a matter of starting up with one science class. I'm not saying jump into medical school and and take seven classes at once. That could be overwhelming and you'll think maybe this isn't for me. Start off with one thing. If you want to sew, take one beginner sewing class. See where it goes from there. If you don't like it, you could always stop. Right. You could always change your pace. Um, So I definitely believe in in going out there and just taking a small step and then building from there and seeing where where it goes. And for me, it was with one, um, my first chemistry class and I did very well. Would have never known that I actually was good at science and it's all about what you put your mind into. So I just want to encourage all of you, if there's anything, if there's a hobby, you've always wanted to learn the cello, there's no such thing as you're too old to learn. Things are harder as you age, but Mm -hmm. harder doesn't mean they can't be accomplished. They're not impossible. They're not impossible, Mm -hmm. and you can do it, and it just starts off with you taking that first step and just seeing where it goes and being open-minded to where it can take you. So if you're listening and you feel like this is confirmation for Mm -hmm. you, it is. It is. I heard a quote that said, (laughs) if you're waiting on a sign... That is your sign. Oh, I like that. And I yeah, like that a lot, like too. That. So um, go ahead and try that thing. Try it, whatever <laughs> it is. You want to be a belly dancer. I mean, there are so many things that we've all thought about. Maybe you already are in the career of your dreams, but you're looking for something else to invigorate you. We all need stimulation. Yes. I say try out that new hobby. Try you know, it. Um, even if it's something's by yourself and you're not comfortable going to a movie by yourself, try out that one time. See what it's like. It's just do things that... Make you feel uncomfortable because there's something to learn about yourself and it actually Mm. ends up being very stimulating and you'll discover some new things and just gain confidence and um, so I just hope you all try whatever you've been, whatever on your list or been in the back of your mind, I want everyone to just take one little step to make it happen. Even if it's Googling the nearest class, nearest dance class or if you want to try yoga for the first time, whatever it is, just give it a try. Give it a try. Take the first step. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening, take, <laughs> take the first, first step. step. Mm-hmm. We can't say that enough. Take that first step. You won't regret it. 
No. The worst thing that could happen is you take that step and you realize, actually, I really didn't like that so much. Mm. You know, and, and that's something to gain, too. That It's good to learn the things you like and the things you don't like. Yeah. It helps you to um, deepen that relationship with self, which is really the ultimate goal, right? right. These these career paths, mm-hmm. our passion, our relationships, our, our day-to-day. It's all about growing and deepening our our experience with ourselves and our experience with the world. So I, I love that uh, you are stating that and that you are really advocating for women, all people, mm-hmm. to go out and make that first step. I don't think that's a, a gender-based initiative. Mm-hmm. So that leads me kind of to the conversation on self-care because you're saying make that first step. Mm-hmm. I hear you talking about living a life by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are, so I know that, you're purposeful with your career choice and your day-to-day uh, studies. Mm-hmm. But how have you been intentional about allowing yourself to practice self-care and to carve out time for yourself, especially when I noticed you said you study a lot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of shifts, there's just a lot of different things that impact a medical student. So how are you intentional about making sure that you give yourself what you need outside of just being soon to be right. Dr. Janice Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think six more months and I'll be able to officially yes. say doctor. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. I'm happy. It went by really fast. Yes. Um, but when you're, you know, listening to what you're saying, I, I really want to be honest with everyone. I struggle to um, take care of myself mentally and spiritually. It mm-hmm. is difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I listen to other people's blogs or I read something and, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll say like, oh, I do this, this, this. I wake up at five in the morning. I take 10 deep breaths and then I attack the day. You know, and that sounds wonderful. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But for some people, that's not realistic. I hit my alarm over and over and over. So meditating at five in the morning is not realistic for me. So what I've learned is that you have to just kind of customize um, self-care for what works for you. I'm a nighttime meditator. Mm-hmm. So before I go to sleep is when the best time for me to meditate. Mm-hmm. And so not every forum will encourage that. Um, but you just have to find what works for you and design it around your schedule. Maybe you'll have an hour lunch break in 10 of those minutes, not all of it, but 10 of those minutes you can use to just do some breaths, um, and, or to read something, um, whatever can get you to calm down or diffuse some of that energy that we take on in the day. Um, And something I wanted to mention, Courtney, was, um, you know, in medicine, and I'm sure in a lot of different fields, you will encounter what I call and what a lot of people call microaggressions Mm. in the workplace. There's these passive aggressive moments and um, there's actually more research on that. And I'll share that the links to that, that minorities, women, black women, um, black men. Uh, just women in general, they mm-hmm. experience these microaggressions mm-hmm. based on their gender or ethnicity or age. And people are, they're not intentionally trying to be hurtful or malicious. Right. It just happens. For example, black doctors often get mistaken for being janitors when they walk into a patient's wow. room. Wow. Oh and my gosh. And that happens too often. Mm-hmm. And so to some people who've never experienced that, it's like, well, what's the big deal? Just correct them and say like, hey, I'm Dr. Thompson, you know. Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is accumulation of that experiences. They were they they just collect after a while and it wears on you, uh, yeah. wears on your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, they find that when you deal with these microaggressions, that you actually end up low, uh, having lower performance right. um, throughout the day. And so they're fine. They're trying to connect more um, 
like numerical data to show that how important these microaggressions are for minorities and how much it reflects on their progress on them getting that promotion and how it's it's difficult. It's right. challenging for right. us in these environments. There's a lot that we have to take on. Not only do we have the challenges that anybody faces of just trying to be excellent in your position, but then you also deal with people's perceptions of you mm-hmm. or, or treating you different or maybe not including you in their social dinner and right. you're not invited right. or, or you're not understanding their joke or even your sense of humor might be different. Right. And right. so we have to code switch sometimes. Sometimes we have to talk about things that really aren't that funny to us. And that's hard. <laughs> um, so the, and that could be tough. That can wear on you after a while. So right. What what I guess I'm bringing this up to say you need to have an outlet. I don't believe in taking all that in and just trying to you know sometimes I think the black community we say oh brush it off be strong and right. we're supposed to be these strong figures. But I also think where are you going to place that negative energy? Where are mm-hmm. you going to place that thing that was directed at you and made you feel bad or question? who you are in your position, I think it needs to be placed somewhere. So if that's yoga, place it in yoga. If that's kickboxing, place it in kickboxing. But find (laughs) somewhere to diffuse. If it's talking to your family, um, whatever it is, there needs to be an outlet. And and that's what the word I want to just use. There needs to be an outlet for that negativity Mm -hmm. that's directed towards you. Even if other people say it's not a big deal, those things wear on you and it's important to cater to your spirit and um, just have great spiritual health and cleanse. Yeah. Um, and just release that somewhere. I like that you talk about healthy outlets because mm-hmm. you're right. In addition to microaggressions are the issues that are community-based, which mm-hmm. are to always brush it off, to always right. not tune into how things mm-hmm. might impact us or make us feel and to always min- or to minimize feelings and to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. But you know how someone internalizes something is not for someone else to evaluate but it is your it is your job to figure out how to constructively redirect that energy so I love that you're saying that and I also I like that you called out those microaggressions just because I know we've seen a lot of things in the news and the media Mm -hmm. surface around doctors being on like planes and stuff Mm -hmm. and then people are saying like oh I don't believe you're a doctor show me your medical call you would never there's not any other instance where someone as soon as if the weather's emergency and someone runs and says oh i'm a doctor if it's a person who's not of color people are immediately relieved like okay everyone clear back right but if it's a person of color sometimes we deal with resistance and we're just trying to help and so that's very scary and it's disheartening and it can for the woman who experienced that that, on the plane i think um, she was a meharian yeah the particular one where she talked about that um you know that can make you feel like an imposter. Mm. So you, you spent all this time just like any other medical student learning mm-hmm. and sacrificing and um, you, you have your title, you put in all the work, you took all the board exams to only then someone to question mm. your ability to help. Right. And um, so that has to be yeah. very frustrating and hard yeah. and yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but I think that these conversations are kind of raising awareness mm-hmm. Um, not only for what we can do within our community, but for how we can kind of align ourselves and connect with other people outside of the community so they can also be aware, aware of how those things might affect us. Uh, so certainly I love that you're sharing all of those different points. Are there any other things that you feel like are important for our listeners to know? I know we've talked about mm-hmm. quite a bit, but I know you're a fountain of information. <laughs> <laughs> Be my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, something 
I want to share. I um, oftentimes, I, I think even I just did it here. I talked about like take that first step, you know, do this and that. I think there's a lot of that in the world, like motivational speeches would mm-hmm. be like, oh, like encouraging us to take risks or, or make that first leap. But right. something I also want to mention is after you make that first leap, you're going to need a good support system mm. and you're going to need to remind yourself that you are in this position. You worked hard to get there. And so I just want to mention, because I, I always say, I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to get in there. And I wrote that down and I watched that manifest and um, I'm really happy about it. But now I have to remind myself, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be a doctor. I don't, mm. um, you know, there's these little thoughts sometimes that insecurities, I'll say, right. or even like society will make you feel like maybe you aren't supposed to be doing what you're doing or you're not as smart or capable. And so what I'm trying to say is once you take that leap, just realize that's not the end of it. There will be work that needs to be done. And so if you can build up your foundation, build up your support system to help you through that other side, then once you make that accomplishment, um, I just want to encourage you to do that as well. Support systems. Yes, Mm -hmm. I like that. That's super important. And also, like you said, just the uh, personal reminders. I just heard um, something on, I think I was listening to a YouTuber speak and they were asking them why I, they were saying that they always had this conversation like, am I worthy? Am I worthy? And they got to the point of saying, I am worthy just because I am. Oh, I like that. Exactly. So there doesn't have to use that. (laughs) 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 Then there doesn't have to be any other justification behind it. Not, you know, because people are expecting me to do this or I've made this first step, but just because I am. And I think that that is a very good way to recenter yourself and to just know, um, that you are where you're supposed to be because you are deserving of that. And I love that. Yeah. 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 Just because I am. Yeah. I am that I am. <laughs> yeah, I think because in some professional environments, you know, you'll go to a networking and people list off, well, I'm published in this, 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 and right. I have this MD and this and MBA and this and I'm a PhD. You know, that those are really wonderful achievements, but they're right. often discussed in public settings and it can make someone else feel demeaned or like they're not as competent as right. their peers and so I really like what you said and I'll use that because I have felt that you know like mm-hmm. what am I doing here and it's just realization like I'm here because I am it's just right. very simple like I don't need to list off a billion things on my CV right you just deserve happiness you deserve to follow your passion and to to be in these places that other people are in and you don't have to explain the evidence for why no evidence needed no evidence needed it's not an evidence-based conversation it's not I'm going to take that with me. It's interview season, and I need to remind myself that. Yes, That's yes, great. yes, yes, yes. So in that mm-hmm. spirit, for people who are wanting to possibly get the a seat at the table, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better yeah. word, or um, or even just wanting to talk about more of taking that first step or being realistic with their self-care practice, however they connect with you, mm-hmm. is there any way that our listeners maybe could reach out to mm-hmm. you and connect with you beyond the podcast certainly guys you can leave comments under the podcast please but yeah. yes please, leave, please comments. leave comments i love comments even if it's not about medicine if you've experienced some type of microaggression yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear about it and how you handled it what your yes. thoughts are on it if you felt it directly affected your performance or if you don't think it affects well, even if you disagree i, I just want to hear other people's thoughts on that absolutely um 
And then if people, uh, if you would like to reach out, I'm very open to talking about things, to helping you to, um, you know, even if I can connect you with someone else, if you're in a particular city and want to reach out or get part of the science community through research or medicine oh, or healthcare, yes, yes, yes. Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. at Janice Thompson. Um, I think Courtney can include a link. Um, I'll give that um I guess in the podcast description. Yes, I will. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, feel free to message me, and you know it might take me a little while to get back to you, but I will get back to you. Promise that. Yes. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank I have you. really enjoyed this conversation with you, <laughs> as I always do, and I'm sure everyone listening has enjoyed the conversation as well. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and um, I look forward to hearing from you listeners. <laughs> yes. And like she said, I will be leaving contact information in the description. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And share, again, let me say it one more time, share this with a friend, someone who might be able to connect to any element of this story. Thank you again for tuning in. And it has been another wonderful episode of the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast, which is available to you every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Make sure you like this podcast, share it, and tell a friend about it. And also continue to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Oh, and while you're at it, don't forget to visit our website, www.onesun3flowers.com. Dot com.